G'day friends, welcome back. Ah 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 is an Indian film, came out last year. I'm a little bit late to the game on this one. Uh, it was directed by S.S. Rajamuli. It stars Ram Charan, NTR Jr., Alison Doody, who a lot of people will know from Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, and Ray Stevenson. Um... If you don't know what this movie is, if you've never heard of it, I don't even know where to begin when it comes to describing it. Um, It was a bit of a hit last year when it was released. Um, It is the biggest Indian film of all time. It is an incredibly unique film for a lot of reasons, Um, but it went unnoticed by a lot of people. I didn't see it until uh, very, very late last year. I watched it on Netflix. Um, I, I had heard of it when it came out and it was sort of like it got a little bit of attention and like I saw some stuff on YouTube about it, but I just sort of, I was like, oh, I guess there's this cool Indian movie that came out. I, I didn't really, like I had never honestly had any intention of watching it. I hadn't seen anything that had made me go, or I should really give that a look, right? Um, but then it sort of it come it came to the end of the year last year, end of twenty twenty two, and like sort of like because of this podcast, I sort of pay attention to films a little bit, and I was watching a lot of like YouTubers top ten movies of the year, like a lot of that, and R R R was recurring. It was on a lot of people's lists as one of the best films of last year. I thought, gee whiz, all right, I'll give it a look. (laughs) I had no idea what I was walking into. This is a three-hour Tollywood film. It is not a Bollywood film. Uh, It is Tollywood. So in India, there's a lot of different languages that are spoken. There's about 10 um, different languages spoken within India. Hindi is the most common. Um, Tollywood is a film industry uh, from the, the southern, a southern part of India, so the south east, um, where they speak Telugu, which is one of the, it's, it's, it's like the fourth or fifth most common spoken language in India. That being said, it's like, that being said, there's like a hundred million people who, who speak it. There's a lot of people in India. Um, but anyway, yes, it is a Tollywood film and it's, like I said, it's three hours long and I don't know if it's the greatest film ever made. I don't know what that means. Like you could say The Godfather's the greatest film ever made because it might be the most technically brilliant film ever made. Or you could say that Avatar's the greatest film ever made because it's made the most money, right? You can... You can say it's really up for debate what the greatest film ever made is. Um, But this might be the coolest movie ever made. I think you could definitely make an argument for that without question. Um, There will be... There's going to be some spoilers in this review. I'm not going to do a full spoiler because I really, really think that people should just watch this. Like I, I will spoil something. So if your if your interest is peaked, stop listening. Go put aside three hours to watch it and, and come back. It is on Netflix. the The Netflix version of it is really interesting because you can now 
because my eyes and ears are connected to my brain, I like to watch foreign language films uh, with in their original language with English subtitles. I'm not a fucking animal who likes to watch dubbed films. If you're one of those people, I've got no respect for you. I don't know how you, how you can bear to watch that unless unless you sort of struggle. I mean, maybe your eyesight isn't amazing and you sort of struggle to read subtitles on a TV screen, which I guess is okay. Um, but yeah, the, the Netflix version, it's a lot of this movie has got, is in English. Not a lot, but there's plenty of it that's in English and I'll sort of talk as to why once I get into it. Um, but there's a lot of it th- that's in English th- and the rest on Netflix is in Hindi because that's a, the la- a, a language that Netflix offers. A lot of, well, again, some of, it's sort of like in thirds. About a third of the movie is probably spoken in English. Another third is actually spoken in Hindi, I think. And then about another third is spoken in Telugu. Now, because there's no, like, Netflix doesn't have Telugu, I guess, dubbing or what, like, I'm not really sure what is going on here. But when you watch the film, especially the early parts of the film, where it does appear that they're mostly speaking Telugu, um, it looks odd because the dubbing doesn't match. Because the sound that's coming out of the TV, the sound that's coming from Netflix is Hindi which isn't what's being spoken by the actors. So their, their mouths and the words you're hearing don't match up even with the Hindi dubbing. So that can be a little bit um, confusing or off-putting, but I, like, and I haven't, I don't know this for certain, but I think that's what's happening because there's parts of the film where they are in Southern India. There's parts where they're in Delhi where everyone would basically speak Hindi. So it's, it's, it gets complicated a movie of this scale when you got lots of different languages and but anyway like i said not a full spoiler partial spoiler all right that's a long intro let's get into it <laughs> Okay, um, <laughs> let's talk about the plot. The plot of this film. So we're in India, obviously, in 1920, when it was still under English rule, right? And that's sort of, that. that's the context that the entire film is based around, right? We have our two main characters, Ram and Beam, played respectively by Ram Charan and NTR Jr., right? Um, God, I mean, the, the plot is actually incredibly unique. I haven't said like, this is a pretty sophisticated and complex plot. It's not complex, like a Christopher Nolan sort of movie is complex, but there's a lot of, it's very well interwoven and it reveals things to you in a really, really nice pace 
Like you honestly get to the halfway point of the film and you don't yet understand or it hasn't been fully revealed to you yet Ram's motivations. So Ram, when you start the film, and honestly throughout most of the film, is an Indian man who is working as a police officer for the English army, right? Or the English police, whatever. Um, there were plenty of Indians who, you know, joined up and became part of the English army and Ram is one of them, right? Um, he is, there's a little bit of a fantastical element to the film uh, in that both Ram and Beam, our two main characters, are basically superheroes, right? Um, they're, they're not, this isn't like a, this isn't like a Marvel type film, but these two characters as action heroes do do some superhuman feats. Um, but yes, at the start of the film, Ram is a police officer for the English empire. Um, and Beam is from a jungle tribe in the South of India who had a child stolen from them by the English governor, Scott, played in a brilliantly mustache twirly kind of way um, by Ray Stevenson and his wife, played by Alison Doody. Um, they stole this little girl from this village and Beam is like the warrior. He's the guardian of this tribe. So he has gone to Delhi to get her back basically. Um, and the English find out about this, right? They hear about this man in this amazing um, sort of John Wick boogeyman-esque scene. If you've seen John Wick, there's a great scene where um, bloody Lily Allen's brother, I forget his first name, <laughs> he's in John Wick. He's one of the baddies. But his, his dad is telling him about the boogeyman. John Wick is the boogeyman. He's coming to get you. And he's just like, we're all fucked because you fucked with John Wick. That There's a scene very much like that where this guy comes, like the, the he sort of comes to tell the English about this, I guess this being that's coming to get them, right? Because they know someone is coming to try and take the girl back that they stole. And this guy says... The people in this tribe are incredibly peaceful, right? They're like sheep, right? You can oppress them as much as you like and they will never push back. But you've stolen one of their lambs, which makes them very upset. And despite them being incredibly peaceful, they have a shepherd. And it's just, it, I'm not doing it justice, but it's, so awesome, right? So Beam is this shepherd and he's coming to get them, right? And they realize that Ram, who is part of their police force, is incredibly capable, right? Um, in a scene which I won't spoil, one of the things I won't spoil at the very, very start of the film, um, he sh sort of shows off how fucking badass he is. Um, and that is enough to get him this gig of tracking down this shepherd that they've heard about, right? So he is tasked with the job of capturing Beam um, to stop him from coming to take this girl back, 
basically. But, and this is where the plot is just so brilliant and entertaining. The two of them meet by chance, not knowing that they're mortal enemies, effectively, and they become best friends. And when I say best friends, this is the greatest bromance ever put to screen. And there's no hyperbole there. It is amazing. It is amazing. These guys are the best fucking friends you've ever seen. They're tight as shit, right? And they have no idea who the other is for a little while, probably like half an hour of maybe even a little bit more probably half an hour to an hour of the film. Um, they, they just spend being fucking best bros and it's so awesome. Um, until Ram eventually realizes who Beam is and that they are, that, that, that this is the guy he's been tasked with capturing. Um, he eventually does capture him, but after this happens, we get a little bit of a flashback sequence. The, the second half of the film is where we learn why Ram is doing what he's doing. Because you think, God, why is this, like he's Indian and he's doing all these horrible things for the English empire. Like he's helping oppress his own people. You think, gee whiz, that's a really strange thing to see. Like he's using these amazing abilities he has to oppress his own people, but you learn in the second half of the film, that the reason he joined up with the police was to work his way up through the ranks and become an officer so he could have access to the enormous barracks that they have so that he could um, ship enormous quantities of guns and ammo out to the more remote parts of India so that people... uh, from little tribes and little villages like where he grew up can fight back against the English. You get this amazing long extended sequence with him as a child and his dad um, sort of teaching his entire village how to use a gun, um, but with only one gun of their own in the village. Um, They get attacked by sort of like a, a group of English Soldiers, his dad and his entire family are killed, um, but his dad imparts a lesson about, you know, how we can fight back, like, because his dad kills a heap of them with just one gun. He's like, look what one gun can do when it's used well. This is how we will fight back against the English. We'll use their own technology against them. So that's why Ram is doing what he's doing. And the second half of the film is, is, is Beam has been captured... Um, and then Ram realizes he's done the wrong thing. He frees Beam, but then he gets captured because he's because he crossed the English, and then Beam has to go back in. So it's that's sort of the second half of the film. But the way that it sort of unfolds, the way that Ram learns who Beam is, and that that whole thing, and then very very late in the film, Beam learns why Ram did everything he did, and that's really great. It is just a really, really brilliantly planned and executed plot. So 
the, the, the film on its surface is already really great because it's got this, it's this great story. And the two characters, Ram and Beam, are based off real life um, Indian revolutionaries from that era. Um, th- that is where the, <laughs> the film diverts from reality. Like that's the only, like it's very, very um, fantastical and sometimes silly in really great ways. Um, but yes, it's, it's believed that the two men actually never even met in reality. Um, but yes, anyway, this film has that going for it. It also has the fact that it might be the most entertaining action film that a lot of people will ever see in their lives. It has got a number of sequences, probably, oh God, I don't even know probably six or seven or eight extended action sequences that are just the coolest shit you will ever see. I don't really want this is the sort of bit this is the part of the film I don't want to get into in great detail because it is where the film is the most fun. Um but my God, just some of the coolest shit ever. There is a sequence at the end uh, involving a piggyback ride that if you've seen the film, you'll know what I'm talking about. It's amazing. Um, there is again, part of the, um, climax of the film, there is maybe the coolest use of slow-mo that I've ever seen. Um, I do think that the last half hour of the film does suffer from a little bit too much slow motion like it really like the movie's three hours long and if you're sitting down and watching it in one go like you sort of like the last thing that you want is for it to slow down and like literally slow down as the movie is sort of coming to an end that that is the only criticism i have of the film that the tiny use like i do love slow-mo and there's as i said maybe the best use i've ever seen of slow-mo like I'm even talking like this is cooler than the matrix. Like so there's one bit that I love with an arrow and beam drinking some water from a river. Again, watch the movie. You'll see it. You'll know what I'm talking about. Um, but yeah, that's the only criticism I have of the film is the slight overuse of slow motion in the last half hour or so. Um, there is a great, when we first meet beam, there is an amazing sequence in the jungle the scene where Beam and Ram first meet um, is amazing. Just on that as well, there's this theme that runs through the entire film of fire and water. So um, Ram is represented by fire and Beam is represented by water. And the theme of them being fire and water respectively is not forgotten throughout the film it's 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 reoccurring and really really nicely rammed home like i was reminded by it just then when i was talking about the scene where they meet they literally meet when they save a child from a river beneath a train that's caught fire on a bridge and fallen into the river like that there is like that scene has got great fire and water. The finale has got great use of fire and water. There's a scene in the middle of the film um, just after 
Beam and Ram have learned who each other is, and they literally fight each other with some fire and some water. Like, it's really good. So that's really, really well done. Um, and just, there's another bit that I need to mention. Just another thing that this movie does better than any other film that I've ever seen. This has the best dance sequence I, I think ever put to film. Seriously. There is a song about an hour in. Um, it's this big dance number. The song's called Natu Natu. Um, and I don't... Like, it makes me so happy when I watch it. When I had finished the film the first time, the only thing I immediately went back and rewatched, and I mean the film end, I got my controller, I rewound back to this moment just to rewatch this scene. It's this dance sequence about 60 minutes into the film and it, the, the amount of energy in this scene, the amount of joy, the song itself is just awesome. The song is literally about how fucking awesome dancing is. Like that's what it's about. <laughs> that's what it's about. And it's just again, if you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't, if you want to like just taste this movie, if you're like, I don't know if I really should like watch this. Like, am I really going to enjoy this? Just go into YouTube and look up Natu Natu or um, Nacho Nacho is how is what it's is how it's said in Hindi. So N double A C H O and then again, which it just means dance dance. Um, just go look that up on YouTube or whatever and just watch it and tell me it's not the coolest fucking shit you've ever seen. Like Grace and High School Musical and all of them can go suck a dick because <laughs> this is better than all of them. <laughs> it's better than all of them, I'm telling you. It's so good. Um so yeah, the, the movie is just chockers with amazing and memorable moments that's for sure um it's it's really really interesting so this is the first indian film i've ever like sat down and watched in full i've seen bits of bollywood movies and like here and there but but i've never like put on whether it was bollywood or whatever i've never sat down and watched one in full and i think that's true for a lot of people. A lot of people watching this movie will never have seen Indian cinema before. And like Slumdog Millionaire doesn't count. It's not, that's a Hollywood movie set in India. Um, <laughs> but it's really, really fascinating to sort of learn about Indian cinema. Like for instance, the sort of difference between, this is just what I've heard and, and read the difference in Indian cinema between like from, sorry, the difference between Indian cinema and Hollywood is sort of how the actors are revered, right? When people go to see a Hollywood movie, right? They go to see Spider-Man. They go to see Batman, right? When people dress up for Halloween, they dress up as Spider-Man. They dress up as Batman, right? Those are the heroes. They don't go... They don't go, oh my God, I love Christian Bale. Oh my God, I love Tom Holland. You know what I mean? Um, in India, it's the actors themselves who are the superheroes. 
the actors are these kids uh, who like kids and not even just kids, but everybody idolize, which I thought was really, really interesting because like this movie is incredibly patriotic as well. Like it's literally about like India overthrowing like the English when they, when they ruled the place. So obviously it's going to be incredibly popular in India. Um, not so popular in England. I gotta say, I gotta say, I mean, I'm sure like regular people in England think it's cool. Same as people everywhere think it's cool. Um, but it, it, I mean, but like you could sum this movie up as English people, bad, really bad. <laughs> like the, I really love Ray Stevenson and Alison Duty as the baddies. They do a really, really good job. Um, there's this one, there's this one scene where, like, Alison Duty's character is a just a horrible, horrible woman. She's a really nasty piece of work. There's one scene where they've just captured Beam and Ram is whipping him in the town square. Basically, there's this hundreds and hundreds of people watching and they're trying to make an example of him. He's whipping him, right? And Alison Duty is going, where's the blood? I want to see blood. I want to see a pool at his feet. So because a regular whip isn't doing the job, just from somewhere she pulls out a spiked whip. It's this whip that's got like just all the way along it, just like three inch spikes coming out. She's just sitting up in this chair. I guess she pulls it out of her ass. I don't know, but she's like, here, use this, this fucking weapon from hell. This horrible, <laughs> it's just so like basically the films like the English empire during this period were like as bad as the Nazis. Like they were awful they took children from their homes and like there's there's been lots of like you know countries who have ruled other countries and there's been dictators like there's been lots of bad people that have done lots of bad things and the english are portrayed in this as being really really bad um and it's definitely not like that's not like the movie sort of returns to reality here like the english were horrible to the Indian people, um, excuse me, they were horrible to Indigenous Australians when they first arrived in Australia. Like, you know, it's same as slavery, same like there's ev everywhere white people have oppressed people of colour. It's just what has happened. They've We've been shit for a really long time, basically. Um what was I saying? Yes. So the English are portrayed just all, all of them, all of them as being horrible. Unless you're a very pretty girl named Jenny, <laughs> you're horrible, right? Um, and and the the royal family especially don't like this. <laughs> they didn't. Um, the BAFTAs, uh, the president of whom is Prince William, which is a fun fact you may not know. Prince William is the president of the British uh, Academy of Film. I forget what it stands for. Um, but he's the president and the BAFTAs didn't uh, nominate RRR for a single fucking thing. So I wonder if he had anything to do with that. Maybe because like the film at one point literally has a picture of his what great, great grandfather um that gets knocked off a wall and the person that knocks it off the wall gets fucking arrested and probably hung or something <laughs> like 
<laughs> his great great granddaddy uh, had his fingers in some really really bad pies. Let's just say that. So, and we know how sensitive the royal family is about all these things. So, I thought that was a really interesting point. Um, outside of that, the film has been received enormously well around the world and that's another sort of unique thing about it this film was literally made to be watched everywhere as i said before there's a lot of the film that's in english there's a lot of english characters all speaking english um which like does happen like you know there's plenty of bollywood films and other foreign films that have some bits spoken in english it happens right um but the way that it's done it's really for as many people around the world to consume this as possible. It was dubbed in, I believe, every single major language in India so that every person in India would be able to watch it in their own language, which I think is awesome. Um, It only cost, somehow, it only cost $75 million to make. If this was a Hollywood film, it would have cost $500 million um, there is a there is a lot of CGI, a lot of CGI animals. There's actually a disclaimer at the very, very, very start of the film before you get any like opening opening title sequence, like all the production companies and all that. Before you get any of that, there is this big long disclaimer written in English um, about there is no use of animals in this film. It's all done with CGI because there's a lot of animals, especially in the first half of the film. Uh, that do some pretty heinous things, <laughs> like they're u- they're weaponized and they're used to kill people. Um, and because the um, animals in India are sacred, that they they had to put that thing in. It's like, nope, none of these animals are real. None of them. It's all CGI. The CGI is like pretty good for the most part, to be fair. Um, but yes, so this movie is unique in that way that it was deliberately made to be seen by as many people around the world as possible, which I think is amazing. Um, There's another really, really interesting aspect of the film that I wanted to touch on as well. Uh, I mentioned that Ram's whole deal is that he's trying to work his way up through the ranks in the British Army to get access to all of their guns, to ship them out uh, across India and, you know, weaponize the people who have been oppressed. It's a really, really interesting view to have on guns in a 2022 film. Like, obviously, guns and America, it's like a big deal. The rest of the world doesn't really give a fuck about guns because we've sort of, the rest of us have kind of got our shit together. Um, nothing, I love America to bits. It's one of my family cut. <laughs> um, but yes, it's a really interesting way to sort of show the opposite point of view on guns to what a lot of people have around the world like like seriously the only way that these people see and they're right the only way that these people can see a way out for themselves a way to free themselves is through military force which i think is so interesting because like America and guns, like when you talk guns, even on a global scale, America sort of dominates the landscape, right? That they, that the number of people killed by guns in America every year has the entire rest of the world covered, I think, multiple times over. Um, but it's fascinating because so a lot of people for that reason are 
anti-gun? Why do regular people need to have guns, right? And they don't, let's be honest. Like if you want to have one to like to hunt as a hobby, that's cool. But it's it's a shame that anyone feels the need to own one for personal protection, right? I think that's a shame. But it's fascinating to see that only a hundred years ago that there were millions and millions of people in India who needed them to free themselves. The English had fucking heaps of guns. So the only, like, you know, so if, if the Indian people sort of tried to rise up and and do anything, they'd just get shot, obviously. Um, so, yeah, I just, I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say here, but I just felt it was interesting to show that point of view, to show guns as being a positive motivation for a character. I don't know. I just thought that was interesting in some way. Sometimes I've struggled to sort of articulate what my brain is thinking because it's kind of a garbled mess <laughs> in a way. Um, but then to counteract that in the scene where Beam is being whipped by the the, the spiky whip um, and there's just blood and flesh just coming off him, he he starts to sing and the crowd really gets behind him. And at the end, when they start to carry him away, the crowd just erupts and goes crazy just with their bare hands and starts attacking all the English policemen and soldiers. And And Ram sees this. He sees the inspiration that can be found, excuse me, just through words, through words alone. And the damage that could be done by just this couple hundred people without any weapons in their hands. So he sort of sees that and he kind of learns a bit of a lesson, but then at the end of the film, he still ends up with thousands of guns that he's able to give out. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, th this is without a doubt one of, if not the most entertaining film I've ever seen. This is like, it's like, this is like if Stallone in his prime made a movie with Arnold in his prime where they're best friends. <laughs> like it's, th th there is no comparison for this in Western cinema. There isn't. You watch them come though. You watch Hollywood try to replicate this kind of film. It'll cost them so much money. <laughs> It'll cost so much money. Like the the the, the opening scene um, where Ram fights like a thousand fucking people. The, this sequence that goes for a few. It goes for like five minutes, maybe a little bit more, five or ten minutes. It. it I, th I think I read somewhere it took them a month to shoot it, and they used twenty thousand extras. That's like some Lord of the Rings shit. <laughs> like, you just, you will never see, like, it'll all, it would all get done with CGI if it was Hollywood. Like, they, they can't compete with this. They actually can't, which is so amazing. It's amazing. I've, ne I don't think ever, I'm sure I have, but not like this. Never have I responded to a film so enormously, I don't even know the word. I 
there was a few times where I just fucking howled. <laughs> I howled. There's a few moments where you just, where it's too awesome and you just have to just fucking, <laughs> you just have to shout. <laughs> there was, yeah, there's, there's a few moments where I, like, I just burst out laughing but not laughing. I was like, oh my God, like you just go mental because like you'll be watching this action sequence and it might be amazing. And then God, you go, what, what's the coolest possible thing? Oh, um, sorry. What, what's the coolest possible thing that could happen next? And then that'll happen. And there's just, there's a few moments. I did it while watching John Wick 3. Actually, there's a couple of just fucking sick beats in that movie in a couple of like there's a couple of things with Halle Berry's dogs there's the there's the scene with John Wick in the library there's the scene with him uh, in that in that like knife cabinet there's there's a there's a few pretty like lose your mind worthy moments in that Th- this movie has that that same those same kind of moments just so many of them, but to have those, and then also have this beautiful bromance, to have this amazing dance sequence, to have lots of comedy in it as well. It is so impressive to fit so much into three hours. There is something for everybody in this film. If you hate the rest of the film, maybe you'll love the dance sequence, right? If you think the dance sequence is dumb, there's a guy throwing a leopard at another man. Like there is just so many amazing moments. And and I can't, this is like, I've recommended this film to so many people now. People are going to get sick of me. (laughs) So if you, for some reason, haven't seen it and listened to this entire podcast, go and watch it. Go and watch it. Even if what I've said hasn't like gripped you and on its own, convince you to go and see it. Just go. What I tell one of my friends, because he was like, oh, it like sounds like there's no way it could possibly live up to the expectations you've now set. All I said was watch the first hour because the dance sequence is at the end of the first hour, right? And I think that first hour, honestly, is as good an hour of film that I can remember. That first hour is fucking tight. It's so tight. We introduce both of our main characters. We introduce this theme of fire and water. We get, there's a number of big action sequences inside that first hour. And then you end with the dance sequence. Like if you're not hooked at that point, yeah, fine. Turn it off. Don't return. But if you are hooked, it will carry you through the next two hours and it'll be a delight. And... Yeah, that's what I told my friend to do, and he did. And he, he like, he texts me back. He's like, "This is awesome." <laughs> I was like, "I'm so glad you watched it." So yeah, th- this movie is amazing, and I hope we see more like it in cinema around the world. I hope, like you know, Hollywood can try and replicate it, and I hope, uh, I hope they do, because we'll either get something good or we'll have something to laugh at. <laughs> um. It was interesting, before I finish up, I just want to talk about it. Sort of, like I talked about the BAFTAs already and we know why it's not getting nominated there. Um, but it was interesting that India, so so how, how the Academy Awards work in the foreign film 
category, I believe, is a country can put up a single film as a potential nominee for best foreign language film. And India didn't put this up. Now, I wonder, I I don't know for sure. I I really don't know much about this at all. I'm just speculating here. I wonder if because there's so much English in it, it doesn't, no, that wouldn't make sense. If it doesn't classify as foreign language, like how the Lego movie didn't count because it had had a live action Will Ferrell in it at the end. Um, Maybe. Or they were just, they just didn't know what they had. They put up another film, um, which didn't even get nominated in the end. So, but at least Natu Natu was nominated for best original song. It has to win. It Anyone who's seen the film will say it has to win because it is the catchiest. Like you can't watch that scene, watch that sequence and listen to that song without like feeling the electricity flow through your body seriously um so yeah it's a shame it's not going to get like it's not going to win awards but it's getting plenty of critical acclaim which is fantastic all right guys thanks so much for listening this is the 50th episode of movie time that's a lot of movies Uh, i've done a couple of oscar nomination episodes in there um let me know if you want me to do an oscar predictions podcast again this year i'm i don't know if i'm going to um because i haven't seen enough of the films and i don't really have time to watch like to, like i what i went and saw the whale the other day i think i'll do a podcast on that um like i've obviously like i haven't even seen avatar i'm not really interested in seeing it honestly um like i'll see it when it inevitably ends up on streaming somewhere um but yeah i'm not like i don't need to go and see it i don't need to like there's like that might sound crazy because it's one of the biggest films of all time already um but like i got there's nothing drawing me to that film i like the first avatar but i'm not just gonna go and see it because it looks amazing i i also want to be drawn by something else so yeah I, I doubt I'm going to catch it before it leaves cinema, even though it's already, it's already been there for six weeks and it's still going strong. Um, but I've seen, like I said, I've seen The Whale. I've seen Everything Everywhere All at Once. I've seen Top Gun Maverick, even though did absolutely nothing for me. <laughs> Some people are going to think that's crazy, but it's like, it's an okay movie. It's fine. There's some really cool bits, but best picture fuck me maybe i should do an oscar prediction podcast so i can hang shit on these dumb movies that are getting nominated for best picture anyway thank you so much for listening to the podcast let me know what you thought of rrr if you've seen it if if you've seen it and you loved it go tell someone you haven't told to see it because it deserves to be seen by as many people as possible all right see you guys next time bye